Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is Mega Ran, creator of songs such as Avalanche and Infinite Lives. You are now listening to Adrian Has Issues. Turn it up. Maybe you'll learn something. Peace. Hey everybody, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. Today I am speaking to a gentleman who is a guitarist, a vocalist, recording engineer and producer. Some of you may know him from his band Lake Effect, which we'll be talking about today. You just released your uh, new EP called KN through Sniffling Indie Kids. And we're going to get into all that today, but please welcome Max Roch. Max, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me. No problem. Well, first off, well, congratulations on a new EP. It's pretty fucking awesome if I do say so myself. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> and it's kind of crazy. Like, um, I've been living out here in Long Island for about, I would say, maybe a year, almost close to two years now. Oh, really? Yeah. I grew up in Patterson okay. and uh, lived in Bloomfield for a while, then in Montclair. So I never realized how homesick I was for Jersey until I really started listening to your band. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. We definitely have a Jersey air about us, that's for sure. Even if you're not from the area, I mean, your music definitely is pretty universal in that regard, but it feels like the best parts of Jersey, and even some of the maybe not so great parts. <laughs> no, that that means so much. That's That's really cool to hear that you get that vibe from it, because... Yeah, I love New Jersey, actually. <laughs> Matter of fact, um, as of this recording, um, prior to uh, this is like a couple of days from Avengers, so I've been rewatching all the movies, and I was cracking up my girlfriend because in one part of the first Captain America, you know, they they name drop Paramus, and I remember getting like really psyched about it, knowing <laughs> full well if I were home and I heard Paramus, I'm like, that's not so great. But you know, now that yeah, I'm in I... New York, I'm like, yes, Paramus, Jersey, sucking everybody. <laughs> Where on Long Island are you now? Um, Suffolk County out of uh, Bayshore. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, my whole family uh, is from out there, so. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, Long Island is kind of like the New Jersey of New York, as I've come to realize. It really is. It really, it really, that's actually, it's just very flat, though. Whereas in New Jersey, there's all these mountains and valleys and things. Yeah, and it's, I've come to realize, oh, this is why they call it the Garden State. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, yeah. So, let's get right into it. I knew you from your work with Nightcrawlers, which, again, another fantastic band out of Jersey. So how did Lake Effect exactly get formed? Well, Lake Effect formed in, like, 2012, I think it was. And uh, it was kind of like a joint effort between Keith Williams and I. And Keith had played in a, a band with me before Lake Effect called Washington Square Park. And we did a bunch of touring, and we were really going at it, like, pretty hard, like, early on. And like, you know, touring really hard and like playing lots of shows. And we, we released a full length album. And, you know, we did that band for probably like, I, I guess, like four years. Right. Uh, and uh, then like eventually we just kind of got burnt out on it because it was a lot of touring, a lot of shows like in front of nobody. And, you know, eventually you just kind of get sick of that. And we wanted to try something different, like stylistically, too. So we started writing songs that didn't really like fit the sound of Washington Square Park. And it sort of just kind of like naturally evolved into like Lake Effect, 
And then it, it went from being just a two piece, like him and I just writing songs together to like a full band, I guess the following year, like 2013. So we've been like a full four piece band, like live band since 2013. But the project started in 2011 and 12, actually. Right. Speaking of that sound and want to do things stylistically, something I noticed with Lake Effect is the fact that each album sounds distinctly different from the other. And I know that sounds like a very simplistic thing from a creating standpoint. They're like, well, yeah, why would it sound different? But, you know, I was thinking about how, like, the Flower Investment Pond reminded me a lot of, like, stoner rock. But then right. kind of taking that transition into Dawn Chorus, which was, I would maybe say a little bit more, like, kind of dream pop. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little more like power pop, I think. Like a little more, just a little more poppy in general, I think. Right. Which it was kind of interesting when I, at the time I had done the writer for Dawn Chorus and really listening through and just realizing like I had to kind of take a step back when I was done doing that review and asking myself, am I even listening to the same band? Like it's crazy <laughs> how quickly you switched up like that. Those are definitely like, because uh, a lot of people mention that when, I, you know, just friends of mine mentioned that in passing that you know, people that are familiar with all of our, our records, like a lot of people mentioned that to me that, you know, we're able to kind of shift stylistically, like with ease almost kind of. So that's it. And it's, and it's, but it's definitely a conscious thing. It's like, I know that each time we make a record, like, first of all, we want to make something that we all enjoy or that we all like, that's obvious, but um, we definitely try to do something. We try to touch on something new, like each time. So, you know, that it's so that it's like it remains fun for us, you know, right. If we're just kind of rehashing the last record, you know, 10 more songs that sound like the last 10, then it's sort of just like not as fun. So I think we challenge ourselves by kind of being like, hey, let's try like a softer kind of mellow, you know, folkier pop song kind of, you know, let's try like a four song EP where we're just kind of ripping garage rock, which is like the new EP, you know, so we try to change it up each time just to keep it fresh for ourselves, I think. Yeah, because that new EP can, man, it's almost like that punch to the face. Because what I did was I took the music I had, put it in the playlist, and I set it to random. Because something I was like doing when listening to bands is, you know, setting it to random and taking selections of right. each, you know, different albums of different eras and seeing how well they compare and contrast. When like those transitions right. from like Dawn Chorus into like the new EPK, and it's kind of like this punch to the face where it's like, oh, hey, you know, I'm having a good time. And all of a sudden, like, you guys are just wailing away. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing about that EP too is like, we've always kind of like played music like that at practice just for fun, like as a kind of like almost like tongue in cheek, like as a joke. And we never really thought we were going to release something like with that kind of sound. Like we always kind of had this inside joke that we were like the best bar band that nobody or like the best like punk kind of like rock and roll bar band that like nobody ever heard, even though it's not really like bar rock kind of music. But like it's sort more so than anything we've ever done before, you know, or released before. So like that was kind of like it's kind of like an inside joke that like we could be like a good like hard rock band, you know. So but we never actually thought we were going to release any music that sounded like that. But then it just kind of felt right. And it's four songs. So it's not like we're not like overdoing it. You know, I, fe I felt like so. No, it's actually kind of a smart plan to kind of release that EP because songs like that. I feel, you know, especially if you're going for a garage rock kind of punk feel, you know, very much short, fast and loud is always, you know, a good mantra. And not that I wouldn't necessarily 
you don't mind a full length, but I think having just four tight, concise songs of just like that pure blast of rock. Right, right. I, I think really worked out. You know, that was the idea behind it was just to have it kind of be like over before people even like <laughs> sort of knew what it was all about. like. It's just <laughs> so quick, you know? It's, right. I think the whole thing's eight minutes. So Yeah, about that. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, considering, you know, we've been talking about it, you know, musical aspect of it, but in terms of even songwriting and lyrically, you know, where was your head at, you know, when creating the EP? Uh, besides the last song on it, a lot of it was kind of written together. And it just through like jamming kind of like in the room. But lyrically, I would say like I just kind of it's I wouldn't say like outwardly like or overtly like political, but sort of just like observations that I've seen in the last two years, uh, like the political landscape and the social landscape and the way things have really come to like um, like a boiling point, it almost feels like. Right. Like. Right. So like that's kind of like the the idea behind, you know, everything kind of being on fire, essentially, like like we're always kind of living in this world where it's like everything's at like terror level red almost, you know, like so that's kind of the idea behind the heat, you know, like where it's just kind of like and and kind of, I guess, an allusion to like global warming and all that kind of climate change or whatever, kind of how the earth is just like, you know, rotting, <laughs> like essentially, <laughs> so, so so to speak. I mean, like without getting too, you know, like preachy or philosophical or anything like that, it's basically it's just kind of like that's sort of the concept, I guess. I also noticed, too, that even the album cover kind of reflects that a little bit, sort of that chaotic mentality where there's so much going on that now knowing that it makes a lot more sense in terms of how you all put it together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we use the same artist for most of our stuff. So, uh, yeah, she did a great job. I, I like, uh, I'll give her like just a rough idea and she just kind of takes it from there and then just takes it in a direction that I could never even like imagine it going in, you know? Right. So, but yeah, like I think definitely, I don't even know if she really heard the EP before she made the art, but then when I saw the cover art, I was like, how did you know this is absolutely perfect? So. <laughs> See, now that's actually kind of beautiful and kind of scary when you think about it. Oh, it is. It's like she had just like some sort of um, sixth sense or something, you know? Um, who is the artist uh, behind this? Her name is Andrea Adikman. Okay, And she's actually a childhood friend of mine that I hadn't spoken with in probably 15 to 20 years. And then I reconnected because I saw I started following her on Instagram and I saw her artwork and I just thought it was really cool. So we needed cover art for uh, the Flower Investment Pawn, actually. And I hit her up and she was really receptive to the music. I like sent a link to the album before it came out and she really liked it. And then, uh, you know, I gave her kind of like, again, like sort of like just a rough idea of like what I kind of saw in my head. And she was able to just give us something like within the next couple of days, you know, she's her turnaround time is great. And she's just so easy to work with. And like, she's so receptive to like any kind of input that like, you know, I would have or anyone would have. So, you know what, though, I figured this is the best time as any to kick right into um, one of the singles. So uh, the first single off the album Big Bob and Daddy. This thing is crazy, by the way. So I don't know if you want to get it. Since we have the overall ideas, what you wanted to say as far as your sort of mindset when writing the album. So what was it about this song that made you want to use this as your first single? I think a lot of it actually was the riff. I think I just love the riff in this song. Like, I just think it kind of grabs you right away. So that's that's probably why I decided. And it's also the longest song. So it felt like the most like a proper song. 
Whereas the other ones are just so quick that it's like, it's almost like, you know, I wanted to give people the song. Like I wanted to show people the song that felt like the most like a full song. <laughs> it's like, you enjoyed Dawn Chorus? Well, here you go. Screw that. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely felt like the most like a, you know, a real song, I guess. <laughs> All right, then. So you know what? We'll take a very quick break. And that way the good folks can listen to Big Bop and Daddy off of KN, which is the new EP from New Jersey's very own Lake Effect. And we'll be right back. And we are back. I am speaking with Max Roch, who's the guitarist vocalist of Lake Effect. I mentioned Nightcrawlers earlier in the show, which, yeah. holy God, like, <laughs> that is probably without one of my favorite bands from Jersey. So, um, Wow. Do you know any of those guys? Um, well, let's see. Well, I spoke to them way back when because um, Brian Goglia, right? Um, I remember he was in Man on Fire way back when. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And not for nothing, With, uh, that was one of my favorite shows um, 
it was, God, I can't even remember what year. It was either 2012 or 2013 at uh, Clash Park, Clifton. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. And I had no idea what was going on. And that was one of my like favorite live shows. And they were just like really just raw and intense. And I just remember shortly after oh, yeah. the performance. And it's like, whatever EP, whatever vinyl you have, just please just sell it to me. <laughs> I need this. And I was yeah, so heartbroken yeah, yeah. when they broke up. But I'm glad that he's the lad. And um, All Sensory Void is another one of my favorite bands out of the area. No, Eric's a great songwriter. He's he's also doing um, a band with Frank from Nightcrawlers called Delicate Flowers. And their stuff is really, really good. I think they have an album coming out soon. So everyone should be on the lookout for that one because I've heard it. I actually recorded the demos for it. And it's uh, the songs are really, really good. It's, it's going to be an awesome album. Something I've always enjoyed about Jersey scene, especially that North Jersey, you know, New Brunswick scene is, and this is something that I think a lot of people work towards, but I mean, at least from my end, it was kind of nice seeing that actually in action was the community behind the Jersey indie music scene. And at the time, you know, it was under the umbrella of, you know, Tiny Giant was, you know, very prevalent, which I guess is now having morphed into other areas. And I know specifically Sniffling Indie Kids kind of carried on that mission. Right. Well, it's funny because our old band, like the one that I mentioned earlier, we used to play with Frank and uh, Eric's old band. So Holy City Zoo and Nico Blues. We used to all kind of play together in the New Brunswick scene, just like in, you know, random basement shows. And I guess that was when we were all like college age, I guess. So like around around 2010, uh, 2011, trying not to date myself here. but <laughs> It's scary. I didn't realize it had been that long. Like, my God. It's funny because when people say 2010, I still think like, oh, that was like last year. And it's like, <laughs> no, that, that was eight years ago. That was almost a decade ago, man. Like, Holy cow. I know, right? When you think about it. But anyway, so I guess they were kind of doing the Tiny Giant thing. Uh, Washington Square Park did actually put one song on one of their Tiny Giant comps. And we were like friendly with them. But like we didn't live near them and we didn't really like, you know, we didn't always play together. It wasn't really like that. But it was like every time we saw them in New Brunswick. Or anytime we crossed paths, we were always, you know, really, really friendly. Right. And um, then Lake Effect started. And uh, I guess I didn't talk to them much in that time period between, like, Washington Square Park breaking up and then Lake Effect starting. But then I kind of reconnected with Frank, actually, who's who plays guitar in Nightcrawlers. And I said, uh, you know, hey, man, like, anything going down in New Brunswick lately? Like, you know, Lake Effect wants to start playing shows. Do you think you can help us get a show? And he, uh, he booked us at the Court Tavern, and we were looking for a practice space, and Frank told us that they were looking for a band to join their practice space because a band, uh, I think it was Man on Fire, actually had just broken up, and they were no longer going to use the space, other than Brian, who's in Nightcrawlers too, But like they weren't going to use the space anymore, so we were like, well, we need a practice space, so we'll join. And Frank was like, perfect. So then we joined the practice space, with uh, Holy City Zoo and France the Band, which is Ken DePoto. Oh, France was awesome. Which actually, Holy City Zoo too. Quick shout out to Frank. And if none of you have listened to No Bunting or even like you know Nobody Sells for Less, go to Bandcamp and please listen to those albums because they are awesome. I agree. I'm with you, man. I like and the thing about those albums is it's like that's classic. When I think of New Brunswick music, those are like classic EPs and like even their full length that they put out like. They were already kind of like not so much a, an active band anymore when they put the full length out. But right. like, 
I don't know. Those records, I feel like, were not that they were overlooked because it's like they definitely put in a lot of work and time and effort. But like, I feel like those records will be discovered one day by like a whole nother generation of people. I sincerely hope so. Something. Yeah, I really do think so because they were doing some really cool stuff. And when I think of like New Jersey music and New Brunswick specifically, their band really was like they like sort of epitomized that kind of sound, in my opinion. So. And I feel like Lake Effect kind of carries on that. And not that it's so brand new and so unspoken, but it is a really cool thing to see how it's grown. Like I said, it's crazy that this time, you know, 2010 is, you know, almost a decade ago, but it feels so fresh. And I guess that's kind of a good thing because I'd hate to be like, oh, that was eons ago. No one really does that anymore, you know? (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) Well, I mean, we're definitely like on the older side of the DIY scene, I will say, but. It's still fun though, you know, like I, you know, I, I guess I just, the only thing I, difference I really notice is after the shows, I feel way more tired and and my body hurts way, way, way more than it used to, you know, like I used to get home from a show and wake up the next morning and want to go play another show or, you know, like I'd feel fine. Now I like, I'm out, you know, like I'm, I'm out of commission for like a day. So many bands, so many shows, and of course, you know, you, you stop and grab a couple of drinks afterwards. Right. Go to sleep at like three or four. Wake up with right. your ears ringing and ready for like the next set of shows the next day. And exactly. now I'm just like, man, that's that's gonna hurt. I better take you know <laughs> aspirin before I go. Right. And that's what I, that's what I was thinking. We played our record release show for the EP the other night, and I was like. All right, time to pop two Advil before I leave the house, you know? <laughs> That's right, because you guys um, just did your uh, record release show. It was at the Meat Locker, right? Right, yeah, yeah, which is, I mean, we're all from the Montclair area, except for uh, Brian, our bass player. He's from Paramus, actually, oddly enough. Oh, That's God, like, now he's going to hear that Paramus line. I know, that's, <laughs> second, that's the second name drop. <laughs> so weird. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, he's from Paramus, and then uh, Ryan, our drummer's from Montclair, and Keith and I are from Verona which is right next to Montclair. So we all kind of grew up in this area. So it's like the meat locker has always kind of been the natural choice for like a show like that, you know, because we know the people in the area and it's easy to get people to come. And Funny enough, you mentioned the meat locker because you also mentioned the uh, court tavern earlier. And um, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I do remember recently the court tavern was um, – close to closing and almost like in a zero hour um i guess they found new investors and they were able to stay open right so something i also wanted to ask is you know i guess even in relation to your band or not considering that some of these things that we're talking about while they're still of course happening but so much of it has changed even in like the the time in you which you've been working and considering your background of course as an engineer and producing I was just going to ask, you know, some of your thoughts as far as like, you know, the New Jersey scene as far as where do you see it going in the next couple of years? I think there's a lot of really good bands. It's really hard to say exactly where it's going just because I'm always like surprised by certain sounds that gain traction or popularity. Like, you know, it's it's just I, I don't necessarily see it coming like, oh, it's like, oh, now all these bands sound like this, you know, like but. There's definitely a bunch of bands that, you know, that stick out that are doing kind of their own thing. I kind of just see it like kind of it's like the same as it always is. You know, there's like there's going to be great bands that that uh, put out great records and some of them get noticed for it. And, you know, a couple the couple lucky few, you know, grow and and are able to break out of the scene. And then there's going to be bands that put out great records 
And you hope that, like, like I said, you know, you hope that another generation discovers it because it's really great music, but for whatever reason, it didn't catch on, you know, and it, it's hard. It, a lot of it has to do with timing and, you know, and a lot of it has to do with luck. It's a tough question to answer as to where it's going, but right. I do know that there's a lot of talented people that, you know, occupy the space within the scene and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of great bands and a lot of great artists. You know, everybody's trying and doing their best, so it's it's cool to see. But as to as to like where I think it'll be in a couple of years, I just hope that people are still throwing shows, you know? Yeah, that's something I was thinking of myself, and that's hard because I, of course, being a little bit older and being out here now with the family, it's very different from when I used to be able to like, you know, either drive over or take a cab, you know, in town or right. even in some cases even walk depending on where the show was and, you know, be able to hang out. And I know personally it's really not like that anymore. And that's tough to admit because, you know, you always want to make sure you're supporting, you know, stuff you're listening to. I can't say it's better than ever because I don't really know. You know, I think it's I, it's like I've never been one of those people that thinks like the scene is dead or like, you know, it's not as good as it used to be because – I think just saying that's sort of a cop-out, and I think that's just kind of like a lot of people say that because of like sort of what you just said where it's just like you get older and you get disconnected from it, but that doesn't mean it's not going on, you know? Like, Absolutely. There's definitely a younger generation out there that's carrying the torch, you know, and that's keeping it going, you know, and they're they're all very talented and they're driven just as, you know, we were or, you know, are even, you know. I think that there's always going to be people that want to be involved in – a local scene and, and they like the camaraderie of it and they're always going to want to create and they're going to want to put on shows. I just, I mean more so as in like, um, what I said before was I hope that there's places and spaces for people to put on the show. I know there's always going to be people that want to put on the show, but I, you know, my only fear I would say was like, um, I guess like the way that, uh, they clamp down on DIY spaces, you know, and, you know, sort of the way that like in Brooklyn, and I'm not a big Brooklyn guy, but I will say like Brooklyn did have this fertile land of DIY spaces that's just been completely destroyed by, I guess, you know, gentrification and all kinds of, you know, what you you can go into deep theories about what, what exactly, you know, went down with the DIY spots. But that's sort of what I'm saying is that I just fear that someday the DIY culture will be just so shunned upon and and so and, and and it won't be allowed to exist in the way that it's you know been allowed to exist in in the past you know you try to remain hopeful but yeah you, you well, really did, you really yeah. hit the nail on the head and how many of those spaces just don't exist and like you said we could talk about the hows and whys but maybe that's you know for another time yeah exactly it's like getting into that is like a slippery slope you know? yeah exactly and i don't necessarily mean to step on any toes but you and i i think have an idea as to where we're kind of going with that right right but right. hopefully that's something that at least builds and right. maybe it won't be exactly what it was and at least you and your band if your music is any indication is that things aren't what they were before you know like Kayan isn't what Dawn Course was, and even further back, nothing was what it was before, but we can take that core and build on it. Yeah, exactly. So something I actually wanted to ask you about, and I don't know if you get too many people you know, discussing, but um, I really did enjoy um, your solo stuff with March. Oh, really? You like that stuff? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I didn't know if anyone really discusses it much, but I always thought that was a, a really cool project that I feel like more people should know about. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. 
I'm actually going to be doing an album under that moniker. Uh, I'm going to be recording it in the beginning of May. So in a couple weeks, actually, I'm going to start. Actually, a lot of it's already recorded. It's sort of just kind of like going to be me organizing it a little bit more. Right. And kind of like re-recording some things and mixing some things. But it's kind of, uh, it's ready to go. It's like eight songs and then like two kind of like funny sort of like skits. Yeah, I like that project because I kind of use it to sort of make myself laugh at the end of the day, kind of, you know. Those songs are like a little more lighthearted, you know. It's just meant to amuse myself, really. But sometimes I end up liking the results better because I have like, I'm not as hard on myself with it, you know. Like it's, I don't put as much pressure as on uh, myself as I do when we're like working on Lake Effect material, I guess. So yeah, because I'm sure even as Lake Effect continues to evolve, you know, there's probably you know even subconsciously having to think, okay, we want to do something different, switch it up, right. evolve. But at the end of the day, it still has to be Lake Effect. Where I'd imagine. You know, with watching the other more intimate projects, you have that freedom of being able to just, you know, produce music without necessarily worrying about those types of expectations. Yeah, exactly. You just hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not that I don't love the people that I play with like I, I do, but it's like it's always, you know, the computer and the it's like always ready. You know, it's always there. It's like I don't have to call it up and be like, hey, what are you doing around eight o'clock? are you around? Can you practice tonight? It's like, (laughs) it's all, as long as I got electricity, then, you know, I'm able to record myself, you know? So (laughs) I I just feel like it's, it's like a friend that's always ready. You know, I think Moby said that about his drum machines once (laughs) I, I, I saw, I took that kind of from one of his interviews where he was like, the best thing about electronic music is that you can jam anytime. You know, you don't have to worry about anybody's schedule or anything. So yeah. When I uh, heard him say that it, Sort of took it to heart, I guess. Any creator worth their salt? God, worth their salt. We are. I am old. (laughs) (laughs) And something that you will always be creating and always working on something. Like I said, if you're not performing, you know, of course, you're producing other people's stuff. And what better way to kind of give back is to, of course, working with other people and just constantly keeping your uh, keeping yourself sharp. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. I feel I do feel like um, I was doing like a song a week for a while. That was kind of the idea behind uh, the project. Not not really at first, but that was one idea that I had was like I would post like five topics on Facebook and then I would have people vote upon them. And whichever one got the most like uh, votes or whatever. I would I would write a song about it and post it that same week. Oh, that's actually kind of interesting. That's kind of cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was doing that for like five weeks in a row. So I came out with five songs like back to back to back. And that to me was like great because that was such a challenge. And like that felt like I was I, I was sharpening my skills as like an engineer and like a songwriter too, just because so much of my music is so personal, but that sort of took the personal element out of it. And I really enjoyed that because it was kind of just like, all right, here's the topic. I have to figure out how to make this work within the frame of a song. Also, I have to give it some of my personality. So it was kind of like a cool little challenge that I put upon myself. But it didn't feel, again, it didn't feel like I was pressured to do it. I did it because I wanted to do it. And then eventually, I just like couldn't keep up with the pace of it because, you know, I had other records that I was working on for other people. Right. And, you know, you know, real life shit. You got to pay bills. You got to do this. You got to do that. But it was fun while it lasted, and I came, you know, I came up with some cool stuff that I like. Nothing that's gonna make it onto the album, but it was <laughs> fun songs like about spaghettios and 
uh, robots and weird shit. I mean, some of the topics were just plain silly, like, you know, but it, it was a fun little experiment. And I think people really liked it because by the last week, like, I was getting, like, hundreds of people voting on it and stuff, which was weird. So, arguably, what would you say was one of the weirder topics that you ended up writing about? Um, SpaghettiOs is kind of the, like, weirdest one, oddly enough. Because, I mean, if we, I, I don't know many people, many adults that really indulge in SpaghettiOs. I mean, I'm not hating if, that, if that's... If that's <laughs> well, I don't, trust me, the Franco-American doesn't sponsor this podcast, so you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. It's just, you know, uh, let me see. I'll bring up the page, because I don't know. I, I forget, honestly, what the topics were. <laughs> um, let's see here, so... There was SpaghettiOs, Florida. That was like the best one, I think, out of the bunch. Uh, robots. And then there was one about my friend John Kaz, who I record his music. And he's he's a good friend of mine. And uh, I put him up there because I thought it would be funny. And he actually won like pretty easily. <laughs> he like wanted a landslide, I guess, because people like wanted a song about him. But that song came out pretty good, too. And he, he likes it. He says he's going to start coming out to like like when he plays sets. It's going to be like his theme music, like his intro music. Oh, that's kind of awesome. Which is kind of funny. So <laughs> so wait, speaking of the Florida one, uh, what was it about that one that was like so awesome? No, that, that one I liked the best because I just felt like I just, it was like the third week and I was just hitting a stride with it, I think. And I, I wrote it so quick, but it was like, I didn't, I like, I wrote it quick in a good way. Like I was like, this is perfect. And it just was like flowing. It just felt the best creatively, I think. And it's cool because the song is sort of like, it's really upbeat and it feels sort of like surfy a little bit. The first half of the song is like all the good things about Florida or it sort of like just has like the Floridian vibe of like fun in the sun, I guess, or whatever. Right. And then the end of the song is sort of like, wait, no, wait a second. Like, I don't like it here at all. Like there's meth heads <laughs> and freaks and like gators and just not <laughs> like, you know, like I need to get the hell out of Florida. Like. I guess I kind of like the contrast between the first half of the song and then like the end of it, which is just like, wait, hold on. It's like you're waking up from a dream and you're like, oh, wait, yeah, Florida's nice. But like there's also this fucking shitty dark side about it. And uh, I want to go back to New Jersey now. <laughs> so. That's kind of how I sometimes feel about Long Island, which it's weird. I know for a fact Jersey and growing up in Jersey is, is like that relative that, you know, you fight. All the time, you're yeah. constantly getting each other's faces, but just don't let somebody else, you know, get in your face because then right. it's like all of a sudden you defend them. <laughs> that's such a good. That's such a good analogy. It's true. It's like I just feel like I feel very defensive over New Jersey, especially if it's someone from New York. <laughs> oh my god! If it's someone from New York trying to tell me like how shitty New Jersey is, I can't. I can't handle it. I cannot handle it. I cannot listen to that because it's just it's 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 absurd. It's poppycock. Yeah, which is why when I would take the trains, um, when my girlfriend and I were still dating before I moved in, not at times I would end up on like the Rangers drunk train. Oh yeah, and just almost just wishing somebody said something to me so I could punch somebody. And with every time I swing at them, I just yell another Devils player's name, just just embedded dead in their face, and it's just. I don't get people from New Jersey who root for the Rangers because it's like. We really are down to one sports team. You're going to be an asshole like that and root for the Rangers. Right? I'm sorry to any <laughs> Rangers fans that might also double as Lake Effect fans, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't fucking get it. I just, it's just absurd to me. Like, like, we have one sports team. 
I don't even really, I'm not even a big sports guy. I was when I was a younger, when I, when I was younger, but like, but even I'm like, you know, go devils just because of the fact that, you know, Jersey's so underrepresented, I feel like. Right. And that's something that will never be taken away from Jersey, I feel, is this music scene. Because yeah. so many cool things happened here over just decades. And... You barely ever get credit, though. That's what's yeah. too. It's like we're just such an underdog. I feel like so much cool stuff happens in New Jersey, and so many cool people are actually from New Jersey. But it's just like the second they get famous or whatever, people just are like, oh, they're from New York. Like, they're a New Yorker. It's like, no. <laughs> like, Frank Sinatra... That that's New Jersey, baby. It's just like 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 stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like you just I don't know. I just feel like it just gets so overlooked. And I think yeah. we have better bagels and better pizza than New York. So, ooh, that is a hot take. And I got that was one of my first fights I got to my girlfriend was about New York slash Jersey pizza. Yeah. <laughs> What what what's your take on it? No, I mean I love Jersey pizza. Now New York, it's like I'll eat it. I mean it's it's pizza. It's good. Not, it's good. I it's mean it's good. Not Michigan pizza. Like let's be real. <laughs> but you know, but it's not New Jersey pizza. No, either. not in the least bit. I think New Jersey has better pizza. I don't know. That know. was one of those looks. I think I said that. The one thing I will say out here, though, is at least being in Long Island, is that, you know, funny enough, talking about the Rangers, that's the only thing that kind of keeps me, you know, from getting into more heat is the fact that since I'm not a Rangers fan, they, they kind of like me out here. So, Oh, yeah, because everyone's an Islanders fan, right? Yeah, which, of course, yeah. now they're all mad because they have to travel, like, way down into Penn Station <laughs> to go into Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they play at Barclay, uh, Barclays now? Yeah, which yeah. I, I don't get it either. So they're the Brooklyn Islanders? But they're supposed to be moving back, so. Ah, so confusing. I don't know. Can't keep up. <laughs> but it's funny because it's like, whereas New Jersey is like that that cousin of yours that you fight with, but you defend. New York is definitely like that older sibling that like takes all your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Speaking of that, it's funny that you say that because like, uh, I recently read an article about how like they hosted the Super Bowl at the Meadowlands and New Jersey basically just got like the shit end of that whole stick. Right. I guess that was like a couple years ago now, but like I, I read something about how like New York got like all this like they basically like got like a, a sweet deal out of the whole thing and like made all this money sort of at the like expense of New Jersey. New York tried to take all the credit for that where it's like, oh yeah, come to New York to see the Super Bowl. Right. And that's so fucking <laughs> typical of New Yorkers. Like they're always taking credit for shit that we do, I feel like. Uh, it's just I don't know. I'm hating so much on New York. <laughs> Right? I'm going to get in so much trouble for this. <laughs> well, wait, but go on, go on, because you know, it seem, you seem to know exactly what happened more than I do. Oh, no, I was just cracking up on the fact that, like, I remember all the promos for the Super Bowl. It was like, hey, come to New York and see the game. Come to New York and see the game. But the night of that same Super Bowl, I had to head back to Jersey because I didn't want to be out there too late. Right. All the trains that were supposed to take everybody from the game got stuck and people got stranded out there. That's so now it, all of a sudden, oh, people get stuck in New Jersey. New Jersey is Super Bowl. <laughs> 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 oh, boy. Much love, of course, to the Garden State. Probably too much love, mainly because I'm not living there every day, so I don't curse at it as much. Yeah, I mean, the traffic sucks. Driving in it sucks, and it's muggy as all hell in the summer. But I mean, so is just this area is really true. But you know what? That's home. And yeah. like I said, that's the one thing I just love about listening to Lake Effect is it just reminds me 
of being in Jersey and just listen, you know, going to those shows. So that's so cool that you could pick that up through just like listening to our records. Cause like, you've never seen us live, right? No, I have not, which I hope to rectify that, which sucks though, because I'm going to actually be in the area this weekend or well, the weekend that we're recording this. So I was like, crap, if that uh, album release show happened a week later, at least I would have been able to chill out with you guys. Ah, uh, it's all good. I'm sure you'll see us someday. Again, much appreciation for everything that you do. Oh no. Thank you so much for noticing and, and being so receptive. Cause I remember I, I messaged you when Dawn Chorus came out, and I usually follow up with people who like write something nice about us. <laughs> so I saw, you know, I saw that you had written about Howlin' Alarm in the past. So I, you know, I definitely wanted to follow up, and, and and you know, I was so happy when you wrote me back and you were receptive to it, and and I was really happy when I saw you wrote about you know wanting to do this interview. So thank you so much. It really means a lot. Anytime. I really appreciate, you know, anybody who, you know, takes the time to want to know a little bit more about us and what we're doing. And, you know, it, it just feels really good. Makes it feel worth it, you know. So thanks. Before you go, though, please let everybody know where they can find more about the band, where they can listen to the new EP and anything else you feel like dropping. OK, sure. Yeah. So you can listen to us on Bandcamp, lkffct.bandcamp.com. That's Lake Effect with no vowels. You could also find us on Spotify. We're also on Apple Music, same handle. You'll find us there. I think we even have a SoundCloud page, but I don't know if that's been updated in a while. <laughs> no worries. Uh, you can even just Google LKFFCT and you'll you'll find enough. Fantastic. And definitely check out the new EPK. It is fantastic. And also, again, quick shout out to Sniffling Indie Kids for all that they've done and the great bands on that roster. Yeah, and they're just, you know, what's great about them is they're just, they're going to keep it going. And they uh, they have a lot of core releases coming. So I don't exactly know offhand because I don't have a list in front of me. But I know that all the bands they work with are are pretty freaking good. You mentioned Howling Alarm earlier, so I figured to close out, would it be cool if I um, had to play it at the end? Oh, yeah, please do. Please do. That's actually our most played song on Spotify, so that's the hit. Okay, thanks for chatting, and we'll close out by listening to Howling Alarm off of the Flower Investment Point. Awesome. Thanks so much again. No problem. And that'll do it for this episode of Agent Has Issues, and we will see you next issue.
thank you for listening to Adrian Has Issues. Please visit us on the web at adrianhasissues.com where you can stream and download all of our other great episodes. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Adrian Has Issues. Follow us on Twitter at Adrian Has Issues and on Instagram at Adrian Has Issues Pod. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and the Laughable Podcast app. Thanks again.